Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce my guests, I just wanted to let you know some stuff that I've been watching the last week or two. I binged Cobra Kai with my daughter, season three. It was fun. I mean, it's a silly show, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, I, 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 I recommend it if you like that kind of 80s nostalgic kitsch. Um, I watched, I think, three episodes of Surviving Death on Netflix. It's really interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I do want to watch the rest of it. And it, I like it. I mean, some of it's silly and kind of, you know, out there, but uh, a lot of it is really good also. So I, listen, if you're interested at all in what happens after we die and you're open to that, I really recommend it. I think it's very well done also. Um, I started watching Tiger, the documentary about Tiger Woods on HBO. The first part aired on Sunday night, and then the second part airs this Sunday. I'm trying to get one of the directors on. Hopefully that will happen. Great. I knew it would be great. It's so great. I mean, again, you know, could care less about golf and, um, you really don't have to care about golf to be interested in the story. There's just so many interesting facets of his life and his relationship with his father and kind of, you know, insight into who he is as a person and sort of, I guess, why he blew his life up. But I anticipate we're going to find out a lot more about that in episode two. And lastly, just for some fun, uh, I started watching Mr. Mayor, which is the new Ted Danson sitcom on, well, it's on NBC, but I was watching it on Hulu. It's fun. It's Tina Fey. So if you like her and you're into her shows, it's, it's a lot of fun. So today on the podcast, I have two of my very close friends, Susan Horowitz and Irina Grabman. They are partners in real estate and they are partners in life. And I've been wanting to talk to them forever because I had this name of a book really for them stuck in my head from reality to real estate. And I thought it could be really interesting and fun podcast, not just because um, they're friends for so long and, and we have such a great rapport, but also because I th- I'm always interested by people who switch careers kind of midlife. And I know a lot of us in entertainment, whenever we're asked, what else would we do? Usually it's like, I have no idea, but it seems like a lot of us say I could see myself going into real estate or flipping houses. So, um, and it's interesting because we do talk about a lot of the similarities in selling real estate and selling shows or content. Um, Susan and I had a company together way back when we go down memory lane in that, uh, you know, just sort of some of our experiences together and they're based in Montclair, New Jersey. So we talk a little bit about the celebrity scene going on in Montclair. Enjoy. Well, isn't this exciting? We are long last doing the podcast I've been dreaming of. I had a title for this like a year and a half ago. I think I texted you. Well, I think I said, this should be the name of your book from reality to real estate. You're welcome. And then I said, well, let's do a podcast on it. So welcome. It sounds like, well, I said, so welcome. Thanks, Lise. We're very excited to be with you, as you might imagine. I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> I'm not saying we've been begging or anything. <laughs> I mean, I finally had to just give it to you. My God. <laughs> it is the highlight of our year. Obviously. Well, that and the Hilaria Baldwin stuff. Have you been following that? <sighs> Yes, she has not. Oh my God. We'll sidebar after this. Story. It's the best end of year, like post Christmas gift. I never knew what we happened? needed. But, we can't get but it. But time out. Uh, we'll tell you later. But time out. Has Alec come out and yes. like threatened someone? <laughs> he, oh my God. He released like the craziest Instagram. <laughs> He's crazy. As someone um, said on Twitter, they're like, uh, isn't the fact that she's married to Alec Baldwin the first red flag? Exactly. Which is fair. Correct. Which is fair. Yeah. So that's a really fun thing. Okay. So as I said in my intro, I've known you both a very long time, probably longer than most anyone I've had on the podcast. So Susie, you and I met with VH1 in 1999. You were my boss. And then I met Irina, I think in 2000, um, when she started at VH1 and I was, I came back, maybe it was 2001. I came back to freelance. I think it was 2001. Yeah. Oh God, the dates are fuzzy. It's been a long time. It's it's, it's yeah, been a long, a long time. time. So, okay. So we're going to, you know, it's always a little tricky with two people 
um, the fact that you guys are in the same place is, is good. So we're going to start where I usually start, which is at the beginning. So Suze, let's start with you. How, how did you, so you start, you're so old that you started before (laughs) reality was even reality. You started in, in talk shows, right? So like, what was, what was that like, okay, I want to work in talk shows or was that just like, that's what's available to me? Yeah, no. So here's how it went. It was like this. I wanted to work in broadcast TV because prior to I'd been doing um, corporate videos. Oh, And it was not what I fantasized about. I really wanted to be in the broadcast world. Uh, And I ended up getting a job at a carne fair. Cha-ching. I was, for a long time, I was very good at going to shows that had one year left of their (laughs) life. Not that I was the Grim Reaper or anything, but um, I went to carne fair and I was there for its last year and the funeral. Did I ever tell you about the funeral at carne fair? The funeral of Current Affair? Their, their rap party was a, literally a funeral. Did everyone wore black? Everyone wore black. <laughs> and Buttafuoco and Mary Jo were there. Oh and Kato Kaylin and like Lorraine. It was like Amazing. the greatest of all of the best. That was like the incubator. Funeral. That was the incubator for surreal life, basically. 100%. <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, and then when a current affair was over, um, I got a call from Gordon Elliott and I ended up going there and then I did that for a while. And then I think from, yeah, because when I was at Gordon, Gordon Elliott, did you know the Fagan twins at VH1? Did they precede you? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember them. Well, they were the best. Um, Leslie and Cynthia Fagan's okay. sister. They were awesome. They're amazing producers, like hardcore old school, <laughs> right. fantastic producers. And I think, did I either know them from Gordon or Current Affair? I can't remember which one. But they ended up, Cynthia ended up at VH1 doing an Elvis Presley gig special for like the 450th anniversary of his death or one of those. And she called me up and asked me to come and work with her. I know, I don't think I ever knew how you ended up there. That's crazy. That's how- Oh my God. I know, isn't that crazy? Okay. So what's yeah. the number one thing that working at a tabloid uh, news magazine show taught you like for that, that helped you with your whole career? Honestly, my whole career and my entire life, um, you can't be afraid of anything because when I was at a current affair, what I, what my job was at a current affair was I was called like a story producer or something. Basically what that meant, this is how old I am and how old that job was. We used to get the newspapers every day and we'd open up the newspaper. I was assigned like, I don't know, five or six newspapers. Houston Chronicle was one of them. Uh, and I can't remember what the other ones were, but you would open up the papers and you would go through the stories and you would find those stories like the football star who hung himself in the backyard and you would have to call the parents. Uh, it was like local and news, say, basically. Yeah, it was awful. This is Susan Horowitz with The Current Affair. I am so sorry for you. Like you had to learn how to finesse that conversation so they wouldn't hang up on you. And you had to find a new way to say, if you could just talk, your story could help just one person. You know, you had to find, you had to just be fearless. And it was, that was maybe the greatest thing I ever learned in my life. Now, did it get to a point where that started to feel really sleazy? Oh, (laughs) quickly. like the first hour I was there. <laughs> I mean, because for me, work, it's the same thing as local news. Like a kid gets yeah. hit by a car and you're like, oh my God, we have our lead story. And then you're like, ew, I'm so disgusting. So it's really the people that, that you know, stay with that and are able to do it their whole lives. I mean, God bless. Yeah, it's, right. it's like being an ambulance. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of like being a defense attorney. Like we need them. So, yep. you know, good for you. Yep. All right. So Irina, about 70 years later, your career started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, where were you when Susan was at a current affair? <laughs> Did you exist yet? So I was a senior in college. Well, wait, let's back up because you have a really interesting background because you're Russian and you came to the States. How old were you when you came to the States? I was 11. Okay. So you did, did you know a word of English? So I actually did. Um, in Russia, I went to... I guess it was called like a specialized English school where you really started learning a second language and I guess English. 
starting in second grade. So it wasn't totally new to me, but at the same time, it wasn't second nature and it wasn't super easy and some things I understood and some things I really didn't. And I feel like, which is probably maybe typical of um, kids that age or immigrant kids that age, I spent probably the first year not really saying much in school, but really listening and watching like a ton of television. What did you watch? What were the shows, like the seminal shows? Well, I watched, (laughs) I watched Girls in Charge, (laughs) but I also watched watched The Golden Girls. (laughs) God bless. You were were like a gay man in training. I love it. It was a broad range. I did not discriminate. (laughs) So I would literally go like from one to the other and my parents worked. So I came home from school and I had several hours of just basically sitting in front of the TV, watching whatever was on. Um, I mean, I'm sure there were some cartoons and things that I liked too. And then, you know, 30 minutes before my parents would come home, I would quickly do my homework. But it definitely, I think is probably how I got comfortable with English, how I learned not just English, but slang, pop culture, you know, all those references that are are important to just being a person in the world and the society and, you know, being a kid and whatever. Her first words were, thank you for being a friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. So you ended up at NYU, no slouch. And then- No, I didn't. I did not end up at NYU. Pretend you did. (laughs) Wait, really? (laughs) Yeah. My rewrite. Wait, this whole time I thought it was NYU. This is life changing. Why did I always think it was NYU? All right, Fordham's fine. We'll give it to you. No, Fordham's a really good school. Okay, so then when you were at Fordham, what, what did you did you you study play play stuff theater? I studied theater because um, for a minute I thought I wanted to be an actress, but the truth is I just wanted to kind of be in that world, and I didn't know. You know, when you're young, you're so limited in the professions that you're aware of, they're sort of like basic things. You know, you can be a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, you know. Well, also being an immigrant, like you're not seeing like your family here in a variety of different, you know, things that are I mean, available. Awesome. Yeah, but like even knowing that, oh, I want to work in TV or I want to work in theater, you don't necessarily understand that there are like 50 different things that you can do being in theater. And it doesn't mean that you have to be on stage or on camera because I figured out pretty quickly but I actually didn't like that. I wasn't good at it. Um, so I shifted my focus to directing and I really liked that. And I did some other things, you know, with friends plays, I did stage management and, you know, I was a lighting operator and all that kind of behind the scenes stuff. And I really liked that a lot better. Like being on stage was not my thing. So then what made you even apply for an internship at VH1 if you were headed in the theater direction? Well, because I think I sort of got weirdly practical for somebody that age. And I was really thinking, yes, I love theater, but do I want my life to be, you know, every single night I'm at the theater because that's my job. Do you know what I mean? So I almost was considering a day job. (laughs) And I thought, you know, I thought, oh, being in television could be really great too when it's close enough. It's the same kind of, you know, in my mind, I thought it was a creative, fun field. Um, And it was just something I wanted to try out, you know, having an internship. Because I also had other like theater internships and things like that. So it's just something different that I wanted to try. And I realized that I really liked it. Listen, I've known you for a long time. You're extremely smart, but you're also uh, a very quick study. And so when, uh, you know, when I went back to VH1 and and I was working with you, I was amazed. You had been in the business 10 minutes and you were already, I was like, this girl is going to move up very quickly because you just, like, it's interesting what you said about um, being the little girl, like in the classroom that was just listening and not talking, because first of all, when I met you, you were like that. You were super shy. And I think that you were absorbing so much. And that's how you were learning. And I don't think it's that, you know, it's not that easy, especially, you know, for I, I think that, you know, 
people can be good at producing, but I think to have like a natural knack for it and to learn it that quickly, I don't think is that easy. So, so I saw you move up really quickly and you're also was very ambitious. So at what point did like, how long did it actually take from when you were like from intern to getting hired full time to like basically show running within, I think a few years, right? Well, I think I was an intern at the beginning of my senior year of college. And I think maybe a few months into it, I was offered, I mean, I I think it was a more or less full-time PA position because most of my classes were at night. So I think I worked four days a week. So I was allowed one day to do like some of my day classes. And I started as a PA. And I think I ended up getting promoted maybe once a year from at the beginning, you know, from PA to AP, story producer, segment producer, whatever, because at the beginning, the at VH1, the majority of the shows that I did were, um, what would you call them? The like video based like clip shows. shows. Yeah. Yeah. Some clip shows, but then we did some behind the scenes things. I mean, I don't even know what to call it. Like, uh, like a making a movie kind of a uh, special, you know, so it was really a mix of things and it wasn't until after VH1, I ended up at MTV News for a little bit, which I think was so probably not the right fit for me. Um, but but then weren't you at Sweet 16? Was that- yes, yes. But that was, you know, that was a totally different category. That was way more storytelling, despite yeah. the fact that the stories you're telling are very straightforward and very fluffy, but they're meant to be fun and they're meant to be exaggerated and they're meant to be entertaining. Um, and that was... Definitely fun. I don't want to say it was easy, easy, because obviously it was a lot of work, but it was easy to try to make something fun. Do you know, yes. like for me, I guess, yes. because it was a thing that I naturally gravitated to. Yes. Okay. So we, we can't, we can't uh, move on from this chapter without acknowledging that at, at this point, you guys also came together as a couple and uh, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Thank you. They said it wouldn't last and look at you. They said it wouldn't. They did they say that. They really they did, did say that. I think I probably they said that. Uh, probably listen, there's a very it. big age gap, but we didn't realize yeah. how mature Irina was and how immature Susan was, <laughs> how well that would work. Um, no, but really like. Yeah, 20 years later, man. Right. Is it 22? 20 years. 20 years. 20. Okay. Yeah. So, so looking back on it now. Yeah, Irina was really young when you guys met. What, really? <laughs> way too young. Oh. So how did, like, honestly, did both of you think it would be 20 years? Like, did you both think, like, from the beginning, like, we really think this is going to last? <laughs> I mean, I did. I did, but at the same time, I did with a probably very naive kind <laughs> of romanticism of a 21-year-old. Ah. But it turns out I was right. <laughs> yeah. I won't say she's usually right, but she is sadly right. and unfortunately. Not that naive, but at the same time, I can imagine, you know, for younger people, it's, it's easier to romanticize sure. things and think that everything is forever. But I did feel that way from, you know, almost the beginning. Aww. Aww. Um, hmm. And I can, I can attest to you guys are, are uh, hashtag couple goals. You really are a wonderful Thank couple. You. And um, and we'll get into what it's like to work together a little later. Um, okay, so then at some point, um, Susan leaves VH1. Irina, you've moved on to producing. Susan, Susan and I start our company, um, I think, in 2004. Is that right? That's Around there? Right. Yeah, which was like so much fun. So, so much fun. Such, I mean, we worked together, obviously, VH1, but the di- dynamic was different because you were my boss. And I was sort yeah. of out on my own at some point, yeah. not even working for you and just like doing my thing. So then when we got to work together as equals, it was just, we laughed so hard and we just had so remember much fun. Our office? Remember our office? Remember we were in Queen Latifah's office? Robin Quivers had that pilot there. That's right. That was, of course, the highlight of my life. And then Graham <laughs> Norton was there for a little while. Yeah. Yep, yep, that yep, was like the yep. hub of, of everything right yeah, near really Penn was. Station. So obviously I was yeah. living in Philly. It was great for me. And then we traveled. I mean, we we, yeah. we did some great stuff. I've I've, talk, yeah, I've talked about it before on the podcast, so I, I won't bore people. But 
listen, you know, if you ever get a chance to work with such a close friend who you just is like family, that was that was that period for me that I will just cherish. Yeah, but here's what I'll say. That can go so horribly wrong. (laughs) No, seriously, it can. Because, you know, listen, we work with friends on a regular basis in our life. And it can potentially go horribly wrong when it's the right combination. And I think the thing that was so perfect about you and I is we had very different skill sets. And yet a lot of our, there was a lot of overlap too, but I think we had such healthy love and respect for each other. And no competition between us. There was no sort of, there was none of that. We just wanted our collective selves to win. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. We, my only my cool. only regret, I always say this, that neither of us went to business school because it would have been nice yeah. to have some business acumen as opposed to just, because we were both Not very either. creative, very good at sales, very good at making Yeah, but we didn't know what the hell we were We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> but listen, it was fun. It was really fun while it lasted, like as, as long as it should. So then at a certain point, so as you went on to um, run development for a company in New York for a few years, what what yep. was like what what was the moment where you realized I, I can't remember if it was like overnight or if it was gradual, but but it was a few years after that where you're just like, I'm I'm actually done with TV. So here's what I'll say. Um, and I say this all the time, and this is my mother's favorite thing to hear. Not that she'll be listening to your podcast, but she might. Oh, she will. Of course she will. (laughs) If you can't depend on parents, I have nothing. Really? Uh, My mother always said to me, Susie, you should go into sales. You'd be so good at it. Right? Um, And But did she didn't say what kind of sales? Just sales? She said sales. And then at different points, she said, you should think about real estate. You'd be so good at it. And of course, like Mm -hmm. everyone else, I had this image of what real estate was, right? It's the cliche in every TV show and every movie. It's Annette Bening. It's, you know, it's all of that. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like everyone else, I don't like listening to my mother. (laughs) And and there's that. So much like Irina, my mother, as it turns out, is almost always right. Um, And so when I, you know, I did development for a couple of years and I was back and forth to LA all the time. I never saw my kid. You know, I felt like I was always running to something and giving her a kiss and saying, you know, I'll, I'll call you later. It just felt awful. You know that pull of a parent. And, and you know, I also was not a kid. That was a long time ago where I was not a kid. <laughs> And, you know, the TV business isn't always kind to women. It's not always kind to mothers, for sure. And it's not always kind to women at a certain age. And so, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, um, you know, I parted ways at my development job. And, you know, the grind of looking for another job. And I was just like, you know what? I came home one day and I said to Irene, you know what? I think I want to get my real estate license. I think I want to just, and you know, listen, we were a two income family and, and, you know, I made decent money in my world and, you know, we sat down and crunched numbers and said, can we do this? And, and so we said, sure, why not? Let's do it. Let's try it. And that was it. So you got your license and then you joined a brokerage firm and like, what was the first year like? Cause I know that's like the most daunting part, right? When you're starting out, it's like you get the shit listings, you got to work your way up. Like, how did you do it? You don't get listings. You have to get (laughs) listings yourself. No, seriously. Real estate is no joke because let's be clear about something. You don't make anything in real estate unless you do business. You don't get a paycheck. Right. You eat what you kill. You eat what you kill. And it can be a long time between animals. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to figure out how to make that work. And luckily, you know, we had Irina's income. Um, but it wasn't, those first couple of years were really tough. I, you know, I had a little bit of beginner's luck. Um, and then, and then it was lean for a while, but I'm also an incredibly driven, ambitious person. Um, I said crazy huge goals for myself. And it probably took me until the end of year two before I really started to feel confident that I was going to be okay. Um, And then 
every year for probably three, four, five years, I would double my business from the year before. Um, Is it because you knew that you had the skill? Like it was, I think you knew you were good at it out of the, out of the gate, even if it had to catch up to, you know, the success part of it. Right. Yeah. So here's, here's what my mother was right about. Um, you know, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a smart person. I'm not, you know, I always say, did you go to NYU? I did not. (laughs) Forget it. Uh, And I always say to Irina, she's the smartest person I know. She's incredibly smart. I don't have though other than Aliza, I say, (laughs) thank you. You're the smartest person other than Aliza that I know. Um, and I'm smart. I'm smart enough to know to say that. <laughs> That's what my skill set. Very good. Um, no, seriously, my skill set because I'm not. I'm not that. That's not my world. I don't travel uh, the world of the big intellects. But I'm certainly not a stupid person. But what my real skill set is is people. I'm. I can walk into a room. I can read a room. I can. I know. Uh, in five minutes, how to talk to somebody in a way that's going to work for them. And I know that in my life now, my entire job is about you. It's never about me ever, ever, ever. And I think there are a lot of things that, that came to bear on my getting all of this, not the least of which is being a parent. Cause I've also learned how to be patient and to be selfless and I get really what people are doing when they're looking for a house. They're finding a place to raise their family. It's a big freaking deal. And I don't take that lightly. Yeah. You, I mean, look, you know, I think one of my best skills is I'm really good in a room, but you, I have never seen anyone as comfortable in a room as when you and I would go out to pitch together. It was like, I'm like, did you already know these people? Like what the hell? (laughs) So, but, but I remember at the beginning when you started in real estate saying to you, like, it was like the light bulb went off and I'm like, oh my God, this makes perfect sense because you're using literally all of the skills from doing development and, and using them for real estate. So I, I was just curious, um, like in your mind, what are those similar skills that translated from selling shows or developing and selling shows to the, to being a realtor? Yeah. I mean, I think this is what I really think it is. It's about helping people see a vision, right? When we would pitch shows, it was about, okay, here's the idea. And it was about you and I believing what we were pitching so much that we could spoon feed that to somebody else so that they would go, Oh my God, I love that. I love that. It's kind of the same thing with real estate. It's, you know, one of the things that I've always done and that I've spent obviously the last nine months doing, especially with the pandemic is taking people on tours of whatever town we're looking at. And, you know, I also, I won't work in places that I don't know really well because that's not fair to somebody. Like, here's the thing about real estate. And I think here's where all the cliches come from. Real Realtors, real estate agents, whatever, can be salespeople or they can be people who have a mission, right? And without sounding really corny and whatever, um, I look at what I'm doing as a service to somebody else that I end up getting a paycheck for. <laughs> no, seriously. But but when I stopped and I remember I remember when I was aware for the very first time what it really was that I did. Um because I remember I used to be the president of the board of realtors in our area and uh at my what was it called? Inauguration. Yeah, it wasn't called inauguration, but installation when they installed me. Coronation. What's that? Coronation. Yes, Yes. my coronation. (laughs) The queen of all real estate. Did you happen to see it on TV? (laughs) Uh, uh, No, when they did my installation, you know, I had to say something after. And, you know, I, I think I just sort of spitballed what I was saying, but... I got weirdly emotional about it because for me, what I really did realize was I used to have this job in TV and everybody always thought it was very sexy. Ooh, you interview celebrities. Ooh, you travel all the time. Ooh, you do this, you do that. 
that's really fun. But mostly for me, for me, it was fun about me. What I do as a real estate agent um, is I do something that feels for me so much more important. I'm helping, let's take your cousin. Let's take her. I'm taking, I'm helping Steve and Miriam. Mm, I'm going to cry. Who was so pregnant. In Manhattan, in the pandemic. COVID. They're a perfect example, right? With a horrible upstairs tenant. (laughs) Yeah. And I love those crazy kids. They're so sweet, the two of them. And I could see the anxiety every time they came out. I could feel what they were feeling. And all I wanted to do was help them find a place where they could feel safe, where they could put their heads down on a pillow at night and feel like they were planting deep roots in a community where they would know their neighbors. Like that is so huge and important for me. So that's how I look at what I do now. I don't direct. And and because that's my attitude, again, without sounding really trite and goofy, I think that's why I have that's why I'm successful because it doesn't, it's not about, I'm not chasing something. I'm doing something for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, you hit the jackpot in the sense. I, I always say this, like the home run is when you can do something. Well, the TV equivalent is when you could do something entertaining, but also socially conscious or make a difference. And it's like right. your equivalent is like, you're making money. It's not pro bono, but you're able right. to give back because you really are changing people's lives. I mean, they had like Miriam and Steve, like you said, they had like a you guys had like the last minute change of house that ended up being totally the right house for them. And that not, you know, thank God that you were able to help with that. So Irina backing up when Susan transitioned to real estate, you stayed in TV for a while. You ended up going to truly original, which was true entertainment back in the day, working Mm -hmm. on a bunch of Bravo shows. So for all the Bravo fans out there, you worked Mm -hmm. mostly on most on uh, tardy for the party. No, I mostly worked on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Okay, that's how Tardy. And then, yeah, and then with the spinoff, I did maybe two seasons. Honestly, it's so funny. I can't even remember because it's to me, it's like a lifetime ago. With this, it's been I think seven years. Tell us, all right. So probably longer than I worked on. You know, longer ago than I worked on those shows. All right, tell us something about Nene Leaks that nobody knows. (laughs) Not to put you on the spot or anything. I think she's an open book. I think it's all out there. Her hair is not real. No, I don't believe it. Um, so what what did you learn? Like The Housewives is a very specific type of show, a specific type of producing. Mm-hmm. You know, that show for the, the longest time was the crown jewel of the franchise, you know, the most successful one. Mm-hmm. What What did you learn doing that show for that long that, you know, is a skill that now you have that's like you could apply to everything else? That's a very good question because I think, by the way, I primarily did post on that show. Right. So explain to the uninformed what that means. Yeah. uh, So mostly in reality TV, you have two teams. You have a field team that works with talent. Um, Talent is anybody who's on camera. So in this case, it's the reality stars themselves and uh, the field team shoots the actual footage and as part of the post team that was me i would get the footage look through it craft a story work with an editor to sort of put it together and finesse it and you know along with an editor we would create the thing that you see on tv so you know it's interesting i think sometimes about whether the skills from that translate into real estate and i think the only thing that I can really think about is that being able to tell a story, you have to have an understanding of people, both the characters themselves and the people who are going to be watching the story. So there's a lot of, I guess, psychology that's involved because that's really what you need to work in real estate. It is really all that because a lot of people who are new to real estate the business of real estate come into it thinking, Oh, I really love houses. Yeah. So I'm going to be great at it, right. which is fine. You know, I like houses too, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the job is actually 
not as much about houses as it is about the people. So anyone who knows you guys know that you like to spend a lot of time together, (laughs) an inordinate (laughs) amount of time together. So frankly, I was surprised how long it actually took you (laughs) to leave TV and migrate over to real estate. Was that something that literally was just like financially motivated? I mean, in terms of like, you couldn't leave something that was well-paying to make that leap because it was like two people that had to kind of eat what you kill at the same time was too risky. Or do you just not know if you wanted to do real estate? No. Well, here's the thing. When Susan left and went into real estate, that was very much her thing. That was very much her journey. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of Susan on a journey is great. And she likes that journey for me. (laughs) I like that journey for her. For you. But, you know, I had no intention of leaving. I was liking where I was. I was liking what I was doing. So it was maybe, I don't know, three, four, five years that we, you know, I continued doing TV and she was in real estate and I was a freelance producer. So for the longest time, I went from project to project, even if it was within the same company with very little downtime. And then at the end of, I think maybe 2013, I happened to end up with a few months between gigs, which was extremely unusual. And at that point, Susan did really well with real estate. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll get my real estate license so that when she's really busy in the spring doing open houses, I can do that with her. And it's just, you know, being able to help because having another set of hands on another person is always helpful. And we can be together because we actually do like spending time. Exactly. Let's get right to the real reason. (laughs) You have an excuse. (laughs) You have an excuse (laughs) to breathe her air. (laughs) but in a very short period of time i got my license because if you do like an accelerated program or it takes yeah it takes two weeks right you know to do the class and then you get do your test and whatever so in a very short period of time i got my license and i did a couple of open houses with her and we got to spend some time together and i got some clients that i took out and i got a sense of having my own schedule and being in charge of my own time huge yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah, by the way, huge. that's huge. That's a very, very hard to give that up. Yeah. Go ahead. And then when the gig that I was supposed to start fell through, I just decided to not look for another gig. So it almost kind of just happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure it also helped that when I, you know, started in real estate, I already had somebody that was very well established and the people in the office and it was a great support system. So it's not like I was starting from scratch the way Susan was starting from scratch. I was kind of joining something that not was already in progress, even though it was a little bit of that, but we worked kind of in parallel because Susan had her own clients and I had my own clients. Yeah. I wasn't starting from scratch. Okay. So here's my question. So at a certain point, um, you guys made the bold move of leaving the Keller real estate, the the firm that you had joined and starting your own brokerage firm. And Brian and I were talking about this this morning, because here's what I don't understand. Cause we were, I was talking about Frederick Ulkund, uh, and he, he, so he's the guy from million dollar listing New York and kind of LA he did, I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram, but uh, he did $200 million in, in sales last week. Okay. So he's killing it like in multiple places. So Brian's like, well, does he have his own, you know, brokerage firm? And so I was looking down on the thing and I see that he's works for Douglas Elliman. So Brian yeah. asked, and I was like, you know what? That's actually a good question. Why does someone like him, who's probably like one of the top realtors in the country, not do what you guys did? So explain how that all works and why everyone yeah. who's killing it wouldn't do that. So I think here's the thing. I think, A, you know me better than most people in the universe. Um, I have always had an entrepreneurial streak running through me. Um, I don't think, I think a long time ago, when I first got into real estate, people would say, oh, are you going to open your own brokerage? And I would always be like, no, there's no reason to. So that's the truth about Frederick. There's really no reason to. 
But but a broker at the firm, so in this case, Douglas Elliman, gets a percentage of every sale. So the reason is you yeah. get to keep all the money. That's the reason. Yes. Yes. That's the reason. But but here's the thing. We started our company with three other women, um, not so much because we wanted to keep all the money, um, because frankly, we don't right now. We participate just like all the other agents in our office do. Um, it was more about what we saw going on in real estate, which is that real estate had become incredibly corporate. And it's such an unbelievably intimate, personal thing. It just felt like, why? Why is it so corporate now? Mm. Um, and we also, you know, there was a lot going on at the company that we, that we were all at together that we did not agree with at all. And so, you know, over dinner one night, there were like 11 of us out for dinner one night. And we sort of started batting this idea around and, you know, me, the dog with the bone, uh, by the next morning, you know, I had these four other, um, friends and colleagues semi signed up for the idea you were in. And I think Robin was definitely in our other two partners needed a little bit more. Right. Is it like um, TV where it really doesn't matter what the name of the firm is? Like CAA, APA, UTA, like people know the agents and they don't even remember what agency they're with. Is it like that with real estate? I mean, it is and it isn't. It's actually kind of like a two-pronged answer. But let me go back a little bit to your earlier question about why somebody like Frederick wouldn't start their own company. It's like, think about when you were a producer um, and then when you had your company. When you're a producer, you're being hired, right. you have a job, you get your paycheck no matter what. When you have a company, you hire people and they get paid first. And if nobody's buying your show, you still have to pay rent for the offices right, right. that you know, you're renting. Um, if, God forbid, there is overtime on production. Right, you, you have to absorb it. And you're paying yourself last. So basically somebody like Frederick can decide, you know what, I'm going to go to Europe for three years and I'm going to, you know, close the door and go do my thing and not have to worry about Got it. the actual and brokerage. Here's the other thing about somebody like Frederick and like any agent who is very successful. When you get to a place where you start doing, I mean, listen, there's four people in the world who sell $200 million of right. real estate a year. Right. Never mind in a week. <laughs> right. Right. right? So, I mean, that's just... That's, right, he's the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. And then 1% right. of that. There, that's just, <laughs> that was my Bernie Sanders weird. accent, by the way. Yeah, and that was very good. I liked it very much. I didn't, go, I didn't go full force, but you get the, the point. Um, <laughs> but wait, back uh, to my I, question, yeah. though, about does it matter what agency you're with, ultimately? So, hmm. I would think it matters more to the agent than it does to... The client, right? Exactly. Although I will say, listen, we we've created a small boutique agency in a town, right? So even now, like I went out on an appointment a couple of weeks ago, um, and these are people who are referred by very close friends of ours. Um, and you know, the last part of my conversation with them, the husband said, "So why why would we list our house with West of Hudson?" which is a fairly normal question from anybody who's selling. I think for sellers, they, they feel like that's something they should ask. The truth is, it doesn't matter what company you're with. It never matters what company you're with, whether you're buying or selling a house. It matters who your agent is because every company, my company isn't selling your house. Me, Susan Horowitz, as the agent, is selling your house. I'm paying for the advertising. I'm paying for the photographs. Uh, my experience is walking through the house with Irina saying, this is what we need to do to stage your house. We're doing those things. Like that's not anything my company does. That's what we do as individual agents. But most people don't really get that. Whether they're, and by the way, of all of the agencies in our area, we happen to have 
the and this was really important to us when we were sitting around trying to figure out what we were going to call our company. All of the other companies are called like some schmageggy name. <laughs> Caldwell Banker, Keller Williams, right. Berkshire Hathaway. What does any of that mean? We spent, we had a lot of hours oh. and a lot of tears and a lot of- workshopping. Yeah, of coming <laughs> up with a name that made sense. And the name is? West of Hudson. I get it. Okay, so you guys are yeah. in Montclair's, like that yeah. area specifically. Yeah. And now, yeah. as we know, Montclair has become hotter than ever. It's been hot for a while, but especially I in the pandemic, that. even NPR did a whole story on it, which you're in. People should Google that, um, that like, especially in the pandemic, my cousin and her husband were definitely emblematic of New Yorkers trying to escape the city. So I love Montclair. I love Montclair forever. Um, question. Let's talk about the celebrities in Montclair. It's very important discussion. My boyfriend, Patrick Wilson. Uh, I hope he's well, but we saw today and can you confirm or deny is Josh Charles a Montclair resident? Uh, Irina just flipped out. He, there's a picture of him on Instagram today and the location, he's just like hanging out. It doesn't look like he's visiting. And the location is Montclair. That's Irina's boyfriend, by the way. Yeah, well, it's America's boyfriend. I mean, let's be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so cute. Okay. So find find that out. So, so you, so you're going to have to come clean on the fact that scandal hit Montclair with Uh, pastor Carl Lentz from the Hillsong yes. church and you were his realtor. Yeah. I was. What can you comment? What comment can we have from you on the, on the situation? Yeah, here's what I'm going to say about the lenses. Tell us. They are, I love that family. I really do. I, I, they are the kindest, loveliest people. They have fantastic kids. Um, who I just, you know, those kids that you meet and you're like, those are really awesome kids who are raised well. I was blown away when all of this happened. Um, and I'm actually really kind of heartbroken for them. Mm. Will they, oh. will they make it? Like, well, what's going to happen? No, I hope so. It's crazy. I really do. Just, and they have always been so incredibly kind to me. Um, they've, They've sent a lot of their friends and and people my way, and I have nothing but really just positive things to say about them. And I I I am you know everybody always says to me, "Ooh, what can you say? What can you say?" I, I don't really have anything bad to say. They're they're lovely, and I I hope that they can figure it all out. Listen, I, I can't imagine what it is to be either one of them. I can't imagine what it is to stand on stage. Uh, they're both incredibly good looking people. Um, no, they are. I mean, they're very dynamic. They're rock stars or they were. They're rock stars. She is as lovely as a human can be. She is charismatic. He is over the top charismatic. It is impossible not to fall for either one of them. So I get it. Okay. Have you met Stephen Colbert? Um, I think we met Colbert one night trick-or-treating a hundred years ago, oh but uh, I was with Susie Edelman. I was yeah, with Susie. You and you know, my boy, your boyfriend, Patrick Wilson came to my house to look at it. Be still mm-hmm. my heart. And by your house, yeah. meaning one of the houses that she was that. selling, yeah. not no, actually. <laughs> yes, he wants to buy my little house yeah. in Bloomfield. Call me when that happens. Um, okay. So <laughs> obviously we've been, I mentioned that, that, Montclair's gotten hotter than ever during the pandemic. That's something that's been really interesting, right? Because so many industries are suffering, obviously the restaurant industry and, 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 you know, concerts and, and all of that. Um, Ironically or not ironically, the real estate market in, in, you know, definitely in LA and in these hot suburbs like Montclair has, has taken off. What has it been like to do more business than ever in a pandemic? Like literally, I know you have to do like FaceTime tour. We're, we're, we're going to hopefully be renting a shore house this summer. And the guy had to go in with a face mask and, you know, show us the place on FaceTime. Obviously we're across the country, but like, what has it been like to like practically do your job where you're not being able to have all that FaceTime that you're used to, but still like being busy as hell? Um, you know, I think the thing that that's the weirdest Uh, we're having a year like you can't 
I, people dream to have a year like we've had this year. Um, and there's something, you know, there's an initial sort of like horrible guilt feeling that we're doing so incredibly well when so much of the country is, is not. But then I think we remember what it is that we're doing. Uh, and I think about people seriously, like Steve and Miriam, um, and they're not the first couple that came to me pregnant and desperate to get out of the city. That's been pretty much every client we've had this year. Um, maybe not necessarily pregnant, but certainly desperate to get out of the city. Um, and then it feels like, again, like we're performing a service. Um, but it is weird. It's weird to, you know, I've spent several weekends with people just in the car behind me and I'm just groaning on over the phone, telling them about the town that we're in. And we get out of the car and we walk into a house together and I'm way far away from them. And, and then we stand outside sort of on separate sides of the street talking about the house. It's weird. That part's weird. And it's weird. You know, it's also really, really weird when at some point somebody takes their mask off outside and you're like, Oh, that's what you look like. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like wearing a sunglass, like a disguise. That's weird. So two more questions. First of all, what do you think the next five year, five to 10 years looks like, or what are your, as you mentioned, you're very entrepreneurial and ambitious. What are your goals? Um, what are your, like, I can't see, at least Susan, I cannot see you. I can see Irina totally retiring. I cannot see, because Irina's like me. She likes to chill. But Susan, I can never <laughs> see you ever, like, just sitting around. She's changed her tune. <laughs> You're very comfortable doing fine. nothing? Um, let's put it this way. We have sort of a five to seven year plan that includes me hanging it up. Um, if we can make it happen, we'll see. Um, but I, I don't really imagine that even if I, even if I stopped doing real estate, that I would stop working altogether. I can see you guys <laughs> teaching, like teaching real estate. Like, oh God, I, not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're good really? like that though. I'm very patient. And lastly, what? And lastly, what is what advice can you give to people who are together? Like, I, you know, I've said this many times. In a million years, I couldn't work with Brian. Like, there's no, you know, even sometimes when we have to write an email together, it's like I don't. We barely make it through the email. So how? I know you have to have you know specific types of personalities, but what do you think is sort of like the secret to working together and being together as life partners? Well. The first thing I want to say is that we like each other, but that's not to say that people who don't want to work with their spouse don't like each other. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? And to be very clear, you fight. This is not uh, harmony all oh, the time. Right. Yeah, like let's, not let, let's not make people think this is the nirvana. Yeah, no, no, no. We have arguments. <laughs> Susan's face. We like each other and respect each other. And we like spending a ton of time together. But also... I think um, we do have some different strengths and different interests and we're really okay to let the other one do the thing that they like and that they're good at um, because then that takes the things that we don't like to do and aren't good at off of our own plate. So mm -hmm. we really complement each other. And I think, you know, I think if, you can do that if you're able to do that if you want to do that that's great you know i think we see this as a partnership because by the way over the last couple of years we really changed how we work together instead of working you know in parallel and us each having our own clients we really sort of teamed up more and now you know even branding ourselves as susan and irena team and we look at all of our clients as our clients with Susan doing the majority of like face-to-face -face stuff and me doing, and I do that as well, but I also do marketing and social media and organization and all kind of, you know, what some would see as tedious stuff that I actually really like doing. 
That's so true. That's so, that's such good advice. And I think the thing with you guys is that like, and this is because this is for a lot of people who work for themselves. You know, the separation between work and personal life is so blurred. But I think that used to be bad, and now it's like great because you realize that you can still design your life the way you know, as long as you have enough to you know to live. If you're that fortunate that you you can decide. So like, if you want to take off on a Wednesday and go do something, I mean, in normal times, you can go do that. Like there's no boss, you know, but at the same time, you probably are going to work the weekends because that's what most realtors do. So, um, all right, last but not least, what are you guys watching over the break that you like? Oh, we watched so much. (laughs) What haven't you watched? We've watched everything. You You finished Netflix? Did you finish Netflix? Yeah, pretty almost. You know what we're watching now that we really like? Flight Attendant. Okay, listen, no? to my, listen to my end of year podcast with Brian Samuels. That's all. Awesome. We're two episodes away. From, I did four uh, and I a half. I, I I had to stop. I wanted it. it's up my alley. I wanted to like it. I will say this: um, we're maybe seven or eight in. It did. There was a point at which I was like, "Okay, I get it." Yeah, but the she's first, good. Like, she's really good. Yeah, great. Yeah, she's the really first, good. The first four or five episodes I thought were really, it's so well done. Like I just, I, I think it's very stylized. I like all of that. Do you um, agree? I really don't want to go down because I just finished talking about this on my last podcast, but do you agree that Rosie Perez went to unacting school? Like someone deprogrammed her to teach her how not to act. She and Nicole Kidman went to the same stop being a good actor school. Oh, Nicole Kidman. Why did people like that show? <laughs> I can't. Don't get into it. All right, what else have you watched? We got to stay focused. I like hate watched it. Uh, I mean, till the bitter end. Awful. And by the way, and I'll just say this about Flight Attendant, is that even though I like the show and I think it's fun and different, I was kind of disappointed when I heard there's a season two. I'm like, it's... I know. You could just be done. No, they can't. And I didn't want to finish it, but I still feel like you could be done. What else did we watch? Today? You know what we watched yesterday that oh, um, yeah. actually came out a while ago, and I don't know how we just got around to watching it now. The Case Against Adnan Syed on HBO. Random. That's like 10 years old. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't know. like it. I didn't like it personally. I, I just thought it, did, I thought it did nothing to really advance the podcast. I feel like if you're going to do it, give me new information, give me something interesting, give me a part two. Like, I just was like, yeah, okay. I know this already. I listened to the podcast. But you know, but I wonder if it's because it's been a minute since we listened. I to think the that's podcast. true. I think that's so true. Not only does some of the information feel new, but I also think having, you know, being able to see some of these people. The mother. Oh my God. The mother. He didn't do it, right? I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. There's, I, there's like a five percent chance he did it, but I think it's like ninety five percent. Like I can't say a hundred percent because there's some weird shit that I will never understand, like Jay in the car. But we won't go down that route. Oh my yeah. god, there's so much stuff that I'm <laughs> what else we liked. We oh we watched a ton of movies. We did nothing good. We watched. Wait, no. you know, wait what did we like? Oh, the lesbian <laughs> Christmas movie. It was so cute. I, I, I've, I've so reviewed cute. it on my podcast. Yes, very cute. It was so cute. Like it could it have been cute. like 10% better, which is, but like, sure. it's also like 90% better than every Christmas movie. Correct. And I've watched a lot of them this break. So I yeah. can vouch, like that was yeah, an yeah. On, on its own level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What's his face was the Wait, best part of it. Yeah. Oh, well, and I was going to say, and it had it's David. Creek guy. Yeah, Dan Levy. Yeah. David it had Rose. David Rose on it. <laughs> and I will say this. I'm really trying to be a person who, like, doesn't hate on people. Am I, like, on the wrong show? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I don't get the Kristen Stewart, like, No, no. Hype. You're, there's no, <laughs> there is no Kristen Stewart hype. Everyone agrees <laughs> with you. She gets work. She gets cast all the time. And Donald Trump was our president. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. literally, y- y- there's no one on the other side. Everyone agrees with you. No one understands it. And we just merrily yeah. go yeah, along. Just, yeah. like, what? what else did we watch? We watched we Midnight like? Sky, which we, did you watch that? Oh, the George Clooney. Clooney. Look, freeze. You know, I don't like being cold. <laughs> it's cold. It's so yeah, cold. It, it was like a lot of movies we watched in the last few days. It was a long way to go to, to make a small point. Oh, I bet you'll love Soul, though. Did you see Soul? I heard Soul oh. is great. We have to watch it. You'll love did it. You watch it? Yeah, you'll cry like a baby. Okay, good. It's not like, to me, it wasn't as great as everybody said. Like, I I thought it was a little meandering, you know, but it was still like, 
if you will. It was what? Like a jazz melody, if you will. (laughs) Very, very true. I never looked at it that way. Well, you guys, we could talk forever. As you know, we do when we see each other. Um, I love you both so much. I'm so glad we finally did this. You've earned a pass to come back, but you know, we'll decide when that will be. Listen, here's, here's my, my proposal that we have a, uh, Sarah and Miriam, Susan and Irina, Aliza podcast where we all talk TV. I, I don't know. I've never had four people on the pod. The three is my max. That seems a little crazy, but I'll take it under consider- consideration. All right. I well, mean, then just bring us back. Or you can, <laughs> you can say that they're going to be there put them in a closet. And then it can just be- <laughs> I'll have them on, but I'll mute their mics. <laughs> Sounds perfect. <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Thanks for doing I this. Love you. Thank you for Kiss having us. Bye.